Welcome, everybody, to episode number nine of the Fanboys Anonymous group meeting podcast. I am your host, the owner of FanboysAnonymous.com, Tony Mango, and with me on the panel tonight, we have Mike Payton. My name is Mike Payton. And Eddie Sequeira. That is my name, yeah. And some other fellow fanboys and fangirls may be joining us later on, maybe not. It all depends on different schedules and whatever. But if that happens, we will introduce them when the time comes. So, this meeting has officially been called to order, and in honor of the recent passing of Robin Williams, today we're going to be talking about a pretty sore subject to some, and that is the whole concept of celebrities taking their own lives, and the pressures of being famous, how depression can get even the most rich and famous people down to the dirty, dirty depths that lead to suicide. It's a very depressing topic itself, and it's not, you know, going to be opening itself up to as many jokes as we usually do on here, obviously, because we're not that bad of people. But we're going to try to make sure that this isn't just completely doom and gloom for the entire time, and I'm pretty sure that we're going to make this a quicker episode as well, just because you stick around a topic like this too long, you start getting, uh, you know, really down. But... Basically, we're going to be talking about all those kind of different things, you know, substance abuse problems, drug addictions, and the pressures that uh, being in the limelight can bring onto these people, and the differences between what a celebrity deals with with per, uh, depression and the average person, because it's not like this is something that affects only celebrities. I mean, people that are normal, non-celebrities suffer from this kind of stuff all the time. So you can't really just make this about, uh, you know, the people that are constantly being hounded by the media and everything like that. So uh, generally speaking, we don't really have, like, topics we need to go down. You know, this one and then this one and this one and whatever. We're just going to kind of spitball and see what happens. One thing I was thinking about that, that we should talk about before we get into kind of more the adults and the Robin Williams and the drug addiction and whatever like that necessarily. But starting at a young age, uh, child stars in the media tend to be doomed. And it's really a shame, but it seems like, I don't know, maybe half of them turn out to have some kind of drug problems or severe self-esteem issues and their lives go to shit and the other half well maybe the other like 40 percent of them become nothing they just stop acting or whatever and then there's like 10 percent that go on and actually have careers the drew barrymore's and stuff which she had drug uh, problems as well but what do you guys think it is about child stars that really it's such a demanding thing is it the fact that they're in the spotlight at a young age? Is it their parents that's doing this for them? Is it the pressure of already peaking at that early time of your life that they can't ever actually build towards anything else? I mean, most people, when they're a kid, they're a kid, and then they start growing up. These kids have to essentially grow up and do things that adults don't even do in a lot of different ways. So, I mean, what do you guys think about child stars and when it comes to all their pressures and everything? Payton? 
Well, when you mentioned child stars, it certainly is a two-way street, that, well, one that can go either way. I mean, you look at people that have just gotten downright dirty when they've grown up, like uh, the Olsen twins or like Miley Cyrus. But then on the other side of the coin, you got people like Emma Watson, who has just grown up into perfectly classy women. So it, it can go either way. But when you talk about pressures on children, the number one that's always going to pop up in my head is a story of Judith Barcy. You know who Judith Barcy is? Doesn't sound familiar. She voiced the little girl on Odd Dogs Go to Heaven. She also did one of the voices in The Land Before Time and a couple other things. She was a pretty popular child actress during the mid-80s. And she came from a really abusive home. Uh, her, her father was a psycho. And the more famous she got, the more psycho he got. Uh, eventually getting to the point where she had child protective services called a number of times, but she just kept denying it because she left her family. She wanted to stick with them. Uh, but it had a really tragic ending when her neighbor heard gunshots. And then by the time she looked over, the house was already on fire and there was nothing to do. Gunshots and fire. Mm hmm. Damn. That's really like overcompensating, isn't it? <laughs> Psychotic. Really? <laughs> Um, no one knows the exact story of went down. We can only assume that the abusive father was involved in this, but yeah, you know, there's a good example of a child star pressure affecting the whole family, not even just the child. I mean, this, this child never got to have a normal life as a kid between always, you know, being at the request of their directors or having to deal with this abusive parent. It's just, this, this kid's life was robbed from her both as her childhood and her actual life. It's a, it's a, horribly tragic story and i love the girl in all dogs get heaven she she does a perfect job in that movie and it's a shame that she never got to continue with her career or her life more importantly yeah it's between the two of them you know but um what do you think about this eddie is it one of those things where they're kind of just doomed ahead of time because it breeds that sort of an environment or is it specific people their their parents are not good enough parents and they're friends that they end up becoming involved with are the wrong crowd and um you know their producers and their managers and everything are too money hungry and they don't care about the kid themselves or is it just it's going to happen inevitable kind of thing fame is horrible no matter what age that's a fact um just uh, i just want to touch on the child actor thing real quick um mike mentioned that emma watson is turning out to be fine and i agree well, you know, we haven't seen her doing any porno tape or, you know, doing coke or whatever. Um, so that's fine. You know, I think the, you know, the young actresses from Game of Thrones, you know, they're having a lot of fun on, uh, you know, Twitter and whatever else. I wish Maisie Williams great. would become a slut. <laughs> she's not, uh, dude, she's not even that hot. But, uh, yes, she, she is. Yeah, she's got that weird face. What uh, adorable to, face. To, to each, to each, the, okay, to each, you know. <laughs> Oh, this is supposed to be about like tragic things, but yeah, this is tragic, <laughs> not hot stuff, right? We'll have a hot, we'll have a hot stuff podcast. Anyways, um, hot you know, they're, you know, they're they're from a different culture. I mean, they're British, right? Yes. Hollywood is a mess. Nobody is your friend in Hollywood. Nobody cares about anyone in Hollywood, mm. right? It's really all about the money. It's all about the cash. It's all about the prestige, the fame, the fortune, um, and it's. You know, it's passed on from generation to generation. And, uh, you know, if, if fame is such a terrible thing for adults already, let me give you an example, okay? One of my instructors at my, at college, he worked up close and personal with 
um, Deep Purple, Red Hot Chili Peppers, um, like I think Backstreet Boys, even in so many, you know, a lot of other big artists. And he got to know a lot of people and uh, like he was friends with, uh, he is friends with Tony Yomi from Black Sabbath. And um, he told me that, you know, in public, that guy is a, he wears a mask. It's not really him. And, uh, you know, when, you know, in private, you know, when they're like having lunch or something, he's cool. He's a nice guy. You know, he's all right. Uh, and then, and then he mentioned this to me because I asked him about Marilyn Manson. I'm like, you know, this guy, you know, I'm a fan of the music and all, you know, we were talking about marketing and the, the image of artists. And I said, well, come on, you know, like I know Marilyn Manson kind of, um, you know, he keeps changing all the time and stuff. And, uh, you know, in terms of marketing, for him, it totally worked. And he's like, oh, I agree. But um, he has to to be this weird image. You know, he has to sell, the, you know, this uh, this this drug-fueled, you know, demon, you know, antichrist. And then the next, he's, he's androgynous. And then the next, he's a vampire. You know, he has to do this because fame is terrible. And if you, you are yourself, you know, if you start talking about, oh, man, you know, like my, my you know, my sister's not doing very well or whatever – they will rip you to shreds. You know the tabloids will rip you apart, and they'll invent. You know they'll they'll badmouth start bad badmouthing your family and stuff. So even though uh, okay, the example that I used, Marilyn Manson, you know, has been open about his family in the past. Um, you know that's the that's something you don't want the media to get to your family because when once it gets to your home, once it gets to where you're safe from that whole chaos, you're dead. That's it. It's the end. You have to literally abandon everything and run away. Um, and so many, you know, so many uh, actors and musicians, you know, they kind of lost their minds. You know, uh, not only to drugs, you know, they go downright crazy. Uh, people were saying Dave Chappelle went crazy for a while, when in, in reality, he just he called it like it was, and he just said enough. You know, because they were working him to death. They were like, no, here's more money. Do it, do it. And then, uh, and even when they. Uh, I don't know what the story with Dave Chappelle is. Do you guys know uh, what happened? He wasn't getting paid like well enough, but they wanted him to work more and more. And then when he was finally going to get a new contract or something, uh, they said, no, but you have to produce this much more, this much more for this long, and he just didn't do it. So you can imagine what happens to a kid, right? You can imagine, you know, uh, if you don't have the proper environment for that to happen. I mean, you know, these British actors, you know, they start with doing like, doing like Shakespeare you know, in, in you know, in some theater in London, you know, and then in America, it's like, well, okay, you know, um, you're good enough. We'll sell you. We'll put you on the cover of every magazine, and uh, you'll do great. And then, of course, who's you know, who's not going to be tempted by all that money? You know, the parents immediately go, oh, that'd be great. That'd be great. Right. Uh, but you know, like, no, nobody's really your friend. You know, like, if you don't have the the integrity, I think you know. One of the few actors I can think of that actually have integrity are, uh, is Leonardo DiCaprio. Like, I don't remember him ever getting involved with some heavy shit, you know. Um, or at least not getting caught. <laughs> well, of course, of course. I mean, you know, pe- people can do whatever they want. But, I mean, like, t- to the point where you're messed up for life, you know, irreparable. Like, uh, Michael Jackson, uh, I don't know to what point of Macaulay Culkin is. But, I mean, the fact that he stayed away from the spotlight for, like, ten years and all, like, was actually something good for him. Um, you know what he's doing now? Yeah, what's he doing that we used to mention this before? He's, he's doing like a Velvet Underground cover band where all the songs are made to be about pizza. 
Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. <laughs> and they they played at some like underground bar in like Minnesota or some shit, stage. and they yeah. were booed off stage. <laughs> yeah, that's that's good. That's good. At least it, you know it's out of the spotlight. That's that's not bad. Um, you know, Halle Joel Osment, you know the the icy dead people kid. You know he disappeared also, which is probably the best. Um, I mean, the kid actors are going to suffer the most. You know, One person they're, they're dealing with, you know, emotionally they're dealing with things that are they are not meant to be dealing with, and that at a, at a younger age they're you know like at age twelve or thirteen whatever they're going to be exposed to coke and weed. I mean I'm not saying the kids nowadays aren't already because let's face it this generation's fucked, but I mean, I mean over there it's a lot worse. One person right? who uh, ended up saying before that they really regret ever getting involved in this kind of stuff is Jake Lloyd, the one who played Anakin Skywalker in Star Wars Episode One: The Phantom Menace. He has done different conventions and stuff because, I mean, there's this kind of like unwritten rule where if you were famous enough that people could recognize your name, but not famous enough that you can actually get steady work, that you do the convention circuits and, you know, you try to capitalize off the fact that you were... Yeah. You were, I don't know, uh, Lobot in The Empire Strikes Back and shit. Right. Um, but he did that for a couple of years afterward. And I don't remember when the interview took place. It might have been last year. It might have been the year before that or whatever. But I remember seeing a um, an interview that they had with Jake Lloyd who – I mean he grew up to be you know, like a normal-looking guy. He's not like you know incredibly overweight or um, – really really odd looking like the people give that jonathan Lipnicki kid a bunch of bullshit because it was like apparently he was like this like super cute little kid i you know i wasn't uh judging little kids at the time or whatever like that from a parent's perspective but you know adorable little kid and jerry Maguire. then people were like oh he grew up to be an ugly man and whatever <laughs> like um but jake lloyd ended up like he growing up the way that he basically looked like he was going to but Despite that, he said that he just got ridiculed constantly for being Anakin Skywalker, which is not something to get ridiculed about. Like, that's not you were the stupid kid in some kind of a movie. You were fucking Darth Vader. And that was still something that kids wouldn't let him live down in school, and it it weighed on him enough where he's getting interviewed by somebody, and they said something just about, like, so, you know, what do you think of Star Wars now? And he just was super pissed off he just wants nothing to do with it whatsoever and okay go ahead go ahead finish you would think that like a lot of these people the way that fans treat a lot of these things where it's you know some of the most important things in their lives you would think being involved in that would come with this kind of sense of responsibility and the sense of pride or whatever but there seems like a lot of these uh kid stars or adults too. I mean, it happens to everybody. They've got that spike at first where they're super into being famous and super into being well-known and all the benefits and all that. And then they resent the fact that they ever did it. I don't know if Edward Furlong is somebody who resents oh, yeah. the fact that he did it, but I know that he took a real dark turn from Terminator 2 and his career just went to hell. Macaulay Culkin, his career went to hell after the two Home Alone movies. He was he never did like anything other than a couple uh, things here and no, there. He, like he did, yeah, he the, did that the Richie Rich, movie. the Richie Rich and stuff like that. Like, but none of them were 
catapulting him into being an adult star. Yeah, but when Kelly Culkin had um, his problem with his dad, apparently his dad really messed up his whole. Uh, um, like I know he he like he just he blew all his money you know like because he, he wasn't allowed to receive anything it was technically it was his guardian who was his parents and his dad just messed everything up somehow um, there was a whole story with that but I'm not I'm not too savvy on that but yeah but Macaulay Culkin actually was really good he was um he was the good son the good son the good son was party monster most... with Marilyn Manson we were speaking of before I have oh, no, I haven't seen that but um, you haven't seen a Marilyn Manson movie. Some fan you are. I like the yeah, I like the music. I'm not yeah, I'm, I like the music. You know, like as far as he's in the Page music, Master. That was awesome. Yeah. Who cares? See, this I'll all happened right it. after, relatively soon after the Home Alone movies. Uh, no, yeah. some of this stretches all the way until the 2000s. What? Other no, no, than no, 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 no. But before Party Monsters, Save was in 2004. Yeah, well, that's but, be, that yeah, but before yeah. Party Monsters, like, but you know, between you know, like, his whole like childhood career, like you know, Home Alone, uh, The Good Son, Richie Rich, all that. You know, Macaulay Culkin went through hell. You know, he wasn't doing well at school. He didn't care. He he just became like – I don't know. Sometimes when uh, – th- there's the whole thing. You know, like if you're being paid attention to all the time as a kid, something's going to happen to your ego. I'm not saying he was being like selfish, like, oh, pay attention to me, pay attention to me. Maybe he was having the opposite. Maybe he was like, don't look at me anymore. You know, like, oh, my God, I'm getting a fucking zit. Like, you know, people are going to look at that. And imagine all your insecurities. Ma- imagine like – uh, you go to school and you're bullied or something, or you're insecure about something and then people make fun of that. And then no matter where you go in the world, people will treat you like, you know, aha, you got that thing where, you know, we can make fun of you for that. You Plus, have no way of escaping. You know, you can't just sit and scroll through Facebook or, you know, open up a magazine or, or anything without going like, oh, fuck, there I am. There's my insecurity again. You know, you can't just disappear from that it's 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 impossible i mean it's there all the time and then to make sure you don't forget it's like oh don't forget you have an interview with spin magazine tomorrow honey you know that you know that's your mom telling you like hey you're 12 what do you want to do you, you want to play video games right well you can't so there's a whole aspect it's uh, i mean uh, anthropologically speaking it's 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 really really bad for you know the fucking the fucking species to do this because you're making uh, you know a uh, uh, a, a kitten, you know, try to jump across a room to get food, but he can't because it's just a kitten. And I was like, oh, you got to do this. Oh, man, but I don't know if I can. You have to. You know, it's money. Um, yeah, weird analogy. But the point is, um, yeah, Michael Jackson kind of went through the same thing. I mean, it's again, it's, but that, that just like Macaulay Culkin, his dad had a big hand in it. I mean, Michael Jackson, like when he was like eight years old or nine years old or something, uh, around that period, you know, his older brothers, you know, 12, 13, 15 year olds, um, you know, after a concert or something, you know, uh, they would all like share rooms in, uh, in a hotel or something. And, um, they, you know, they'd have girls over and have sex. And what's little Michael to do other than like, just like lie there and pretend he's not hearing anything. Right. You know, it's kind of, it's, it, you have all these bizarre situations that it's like, oh man, I could handle it, but you don't know. You don't. You'll never really notice. Like, which is why Michael Jackson would always love. You know, you know, he would always be friends with the the child actors, right? Um, but yeah, I mean, it's the it's really the culture. I mean, like, there's this like doggy dog kind of mentality in Hollywood, and if you don't have a really strong like 
organism to handle all the coke and all the stress and all the all the excess and uh, if you can't prioritize what's really important in your everyday in you your weird everyday life you know because i mean what's what's an everyday life for these people you know like like you know, for for these women, you know, these actresses, these actresses, to get manicures and pedicures, they have to like dress up as like a bum, or um, you know, they gotta disguise themselves so that they won't get you know photographed, which is understandable. And then when people do it, it's like, ah, oh, what a freak, you know, you know, she's doing it, and you know, she's you know, like I remember this was once Julia Roberts was dressed as a hippie in New York. But she was recognized anyways. They just they, they give her shit. They give her shit for it, and I'm like, oh my god. Well, what's weird is, um, I mean, it's not so much weird as it is just sad. Completely wrong word on my part. Uh, when these kids, I mean, we're we're going more for kids right now, but of course we're gonna get into the things that like the Robin Williamses and stuff. Um, when you deal with these pressures, it seems like the go-to response is to get into drugs because that's something that will ease the pain and it will make it seem more fun and you've got peer pressure going on. You can't be in the wrong crowd with the wrong people or else they're going to put the wrong pressures on you. And if you don't do it, then you're screwed because it's one thing to be a normal person in high school and to have people pressure you to drink or to smoke pot or to smoke cigarettes or whatever like that. And you can turn them down and really only the negative consequences that you can run into are that group of people thinks that you're lame or worse comes to worse. You've got the whole school thinking that you're stupid or that you're a pussy or whatever the case may be. When you're in Hollywood those are people that are connections. Those are people that can ruin your career or they can make your career. So you feel even more pressure to do that. And somebody like a Lindsay Lohan clearly got into the wrong stuff from childhood and it has stuck with her ever since then. And she's not going to get out of it. She's going to end up dying from this kind of stuff or she's going to screw her life up so much that she's completely out of the limelight Nobody gives a shit, and she's going to be some washed-up old joke, and that'll be it. And when you get into drug addiction, no matter how much you get into it, you're screwing yourself. Because they don't call it addiction for no reason. People lose their entire lives to drugs. Robin Williams was somebody who struggled with that kind of stuff, and he was unfortunately at the right kind of age at the wrong time period to get into some serious drugs to get into coke and get into um i think that he had done heroin before i don't want to say that 100 percent. don't take my word for it but i think he had said that he did um and obviously alcohol and that's very underrated addiction that's out there but he grew up in a time period where that facilitated that behavior and that apparently stuck with him up until a week or two before he decided to kill himself. They said that he was being treated for rehab yet again after doing that for multiple different times and he was never able to get kicked the habit. Um, 
But before we get into this kind of stuff, we have another person joining us into the call. Caroline Oliveira. What's up, Caroline? Hey, guys. What's up? We are talking about child stars, and we're going to get into a little bit of drug addiction in general with different people. I just brought up the idea of uh, Robin Williams being um, a previous drug addict from when he was younger and how that tied into his eventual suicide and you get these people like Lindsay Lohan that have done that from a young enough age where they're probably not going to be able to kick the habit. Um, if we're on the subject of child stars and when it comes to depression and the pressures of fame and celebrities and suicides and everything like that, uh, what do you think about that? Is that something that child stars are doomed to end up suffering through this and the only thing that will stop them is proper parenting or is it a situation where – it's up to the individual person. You got to be strong enough on your own to do it. And if you're um, predetermined and predestined to fall into these pitfalls, then you're just going to end up doing it. What do you think? Well, I think that just like any other uh, mental illness or personality trait disorder, it's always a mixture between your environment and if you have any um, genes that might make you you know, more prone to addiction and um, have and have issues with control or self-control, I guess. Um, I think that the main problem with children that grow up being celebrities is that they surround themselves with a lot of yes people. So if you already come from a family, like Lindsay Lohan, for instance, if you already come from a family that uh, your dad is an alcoholic and... Um, your mother has issues with drugs and all of a sudden you're this big person that everybody wants you to be, you know, at their clubs and nobody's going to say no to you because you're famous and you're still underage, but that's okay because you're famous and they want to surround themselves with people like you. Yeah. It just makes things easier for you to get and try things that you probably shouldn't. Um, and that plus growing up, uh, like we all did through our teenage years, we kind of feel like we're immortal and nothing will really affect us. It's easy to get into that place where you're just trying different things, but that's okay because you're just trying and you're still in complete control, but we all know that that's not really the case. Um, and I don't think it's like they're all doomed to it. I just feel like if you already have tendencies in your family or um, you just you surround yourself with people that are just there to make you happy all the time, yeah, you're probably going to be more prone into giving in into your demons. Now, if um, if we're kind of given a little bit of a an overview and sort of moving on to another topic, I'm sure we'll, we'll mention child stars again here and there. Um, you got to think, some of these people, they were able to turn themselves around. Some people, not so much. Uh, we talked a little bit about Michael Jackson. That didn't work out in the end. Uh, we got Macaulay Culkin's doing pizza. What, what, was, it? what was the name of his band? What was it? The, the, the Pizza Underground. The Pizza Underground? Yeah, that's it. <laughs> 
So he's got that going for him. Anything else that he's got going? Uh, He banged Myla Kunis. That's pretty sweet. Yeah, I was just going to say. Yeah, he was with her for a long time. So he wins then. (laughs) Well, I mean, now she's with Ashton Kutcher. Yeah, but still. That's that's depressing. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. Well, Well, funny enough story with that. That's actually a positive story when it comes to... uh, Kids in childhood, uh, not kids in childhood, kids in uh, the entertainment industry. She, on that 70s show, lied to get onto the show. She told them, right. uh, I'm going to be turning 18. And they thought that she was 17 at the time. And she was actually, I think, like 14 or 15. So she, when she did the whole first season and, you know, she's dating Kelso, Ashton Kutcher's character on the show... Like, they needed to have her parents there. They needed to have, sign tons of waivers and everything for her to do, like, kissing scenes. Ashton Kutcher was apparently her first ever kiss. Period. Uh... So it's funny that, like, that is a positive story of what can happen in Hollywood with kids. It's not all just, like, you know, uh, Britney Spears is a part of uh, the Mickey Mouse Club, and so are all these other people, and they all kind of just reach a, a whole bunch of success and then go down and then go back up and then go down and whatever, you know, yeah. you get some good things that happen there too. Yeah. But again, but again, just like Caroline said, it depends heavily on your parents. I mean, right. uh, Myla Kunis is Ukrainian Jewish and her parents right. are like, you know, these old school, like, you know, like, you know, set your goal, go for it and don't waste your time with things that are not good for you. And they totally, you know, they totally made her into who she is and she's, she's a perfectly fine, successful woman. Can right. I give you the shining example of a child actor or what a child actor should strive to be? Go for Phoenix. Ron Howard. <laughs> Ron Howard. <laughs> yeah, Ron Howard's not bad. I'm actually going to say Jack Gleason, though. He is oh, the okay. young man who played Joffrey Baratheon on the current hit television series Game of Thrones. This guy, from a very, very young age, became the single most hated person on television. And that's, that's a fact. He is the single most hated person that was on television. Now he's dead. Oh, spoiler for those who haven't watched the show, but he's not on there anymore. He dealt with a lot of public pressure and he handled it with stride. Just, I don't know what it was, probably his upbringing, but he handled all the public ire so well. All the it, people that, who it. couldn't separate him from the character that he is on TV. People see him walking the streets. Oh, that's freaking Joffrey, you jerk. Can't believe you killed Ned Stark. <laughs> yeah, but like, that's, that's the now, thing. Hold that's on, the... hold on, hold on. Now, now that this show is done... He's not going to act anymore. He said once his part with the show is done, he's done. He's going to stick with school. He's going to go on his own path with life. And that's perfect. He made one of the most impactful performances of anybody in television. And he's just going to leave it at that. He's okay just being known as Joffrey for the rest of his life because deep down, he's not Joffrey. He knows he's Jack Leeson and that's the life he's going to live. Well, look okay, at his that's a good he's point. British. However, I would say that he probably has, you know, he's... I don't want to say his brain is okay. That just sounds bad. But I think that on the mental part of his health, he's healthy. You know, if he was somebody who was struggling with depression or anxiety or any personality disorder, like Britney Spears, for instance, like she's bipolar, um, it wouldn't it wouldn't be the case, you know. Um, so are you so- saying perhaps these people should be tested before they get brought into Hollywood? Oh, no, not at all. I mean, <laughs> Most of the people in Hollywood has some sort of mental problem. That's what mm-hmm. makes them really good at what they are. Mm-hmm. But I just think that if you and people around you notice 
that you have some sort of issue. And that brings the point that I feel like it's not explored at all in the world right now is we don't talk enough about mental health. Uh, it's still a taboo. It's easier to say to a child who's acting out that, oh, you know, he just needs some riddle and he's just ADD. But you don't know that. Like, there are other things that play into our brains that could really damage us if we're on the spotlight or if we're not, if we don't talk about these things. And watch out, too, for, you know, our children and our friends. Yeah, life can be very complicated. So I just think that it just boils out to the fact that we just need to talk about it more and treat it just like diabetes or cancer. Now, we all know about it, and that's okay. But just because with mental illness, you don't get to see on a medical chart or um, on a blood test coming out positive or negative, it doesn't mean it's not there. So maybe what we could do is start a viral sensation where people pour buckets of ice water on themselves in order to spread awareness about it. <laughs> yeah, I think that, yeah, sure. Nah, just that'll like, never let, catch on. Okay, <laughs> let's just do Prozac. Just, just dump Prozac and eat <laughs> If I get nominated three times to do that, I guess I'll do that too. <laughs> I'll start doing it right now. <laughs> Well, you bring up a good point about the idea of uh, not necessarily testing ahead of time, but people predisposed to certain mental issues. Um, there's something, and I, I'm blanking on it on the top of my head, but they've done tests where they've been able to see that the section of the brain that deals with creativity is overlapping with the section of the brain that is... Uh, insanity and depression and right. a lot of you know the negative sides of things as well and there is some link between the two of them where you, you kind of you're the starving artist you, you got to be nuts to do it or you're you got to go into a weird different kind of a mindset to be able to be that good of an actor because you can pull off being Hannibal the cannibal lector right and yeah not you know go nuts and uh, you look at the way that um Heath Ledger was doing his research for the, the Joker role. Now, the Joker is a tough character to play if you really, right. really care about it. I mean, for all of us who are fans of the comics and stuff, we know the ins and the outs. We know that he's going to laugh. He's going to be, you know, this prankster kind of a thing. But if you take it less of just the base value and you really try to think of what is going on there, his notes said things like, what Joker would find funny and like AIDS is one of the things. So he wow. was sitting there thinking in his studio apartment, if I was the Joker, what horrible things would I laugh at? And he had to get into that kind of a mindset. And right. supposedly, I don't know the ins and outs of whether or not it's true or this is just kind of hearsay or what, but something that was going around at the time where Heath Ledger ended up uh, accidentally overdosing was that he was taking sleeping medication because it had gotten to weigh him down so much to think this way that basically even kind of like the role had put uh, too much pressure on him to kill himself. And mm. if you have that predisposition to be able to trigger that part of your brain where you can get into those dark, dark kind of depths that most people can't do – you're already playing with fire. 
Um, right. There's that quote about, you know, you be careful to look into the abyss because the abyss is going to look right back into you. If these people like these Robin Williamses and stuff, they've got this be, uh, ability to trigger something that most people don't. And that's a lot of pressure. Uh, smart people are under much more pressure than stupid people because they <laughs> know that they have something to live up to and they know when they make a mistake and they can dwell on the mistake. The uh, ignorance is bliss factor comes into play on everyday life. I mean, your average idiot, you can um, give them nothing and they'll be happy. And you give these celebrities the world, but just a little bit underneath it and they know what they're missing out on. And that is something that plays a huge factor. I'm sure and a lot of these talented people, uh, Peyton, if you were thinking of the way that that kind of works with people, you know, these uh, smart, already kind of nuts guys that get into drugs or they get into all the different pressures of Hollywood, what are your thoughts about that? I mean, is that uh, something that it doesn't matter who you have around you, it doesn't matter what your upbringing is, if you've got that tick, it's going to go boom eventually? I think once again comes down to people's personal abilities to handle these things. I mean, even as just regular people, we go through this age where we want to party and our friends want to party and everyone around us want to party. We, we want to drink. We want to smoke pot. We want to take Molly. We want to do all this crazy shit. This affects everybody. The problem is people in Hollywood have it so much more readily available and they always got to up the ante. You know, if the people at some rat club in New York City is taking five hits of Molly, I need to do 10 hits of Molly because I'm fucking big man in Hollywood. That's what I got to do. That's the problem. So it's all in personal things. Everyone just needs to know their own limits, know what they're getting themselves into. But they feel invincible because that's the way they're made to feel. So it's like, yeah, I could take all this that would normally kill a man. I'm fine. It's not going to do anything to me. And uh, then it does. And once again, that's not everybody. Some people know their limits. Some people party responsibly and they should be allowed to. I, I think just because someone goes out and drinks and does whatever, even if they're in Hollywood, it doesn't make them a bad person. It's just all about how you can handle yourself. Don't fucking drive drunk. Don't overdose. Don't do stupid shit. <laughs> that's all it takes. Mm -hmm. And that that's something everyone needs to avoid. The problem is people in Hollywood, when they get caught, they really get caught. And it doesn't matter how little of a celebrity you are. If you get a DUI, if you accidentally kill somebody, even if I'm saying like even if it's completely 100 percent accidental in some situation, whatever you do, it's going to be blown up 40 times more than if you were just some regular Joe Schmo that did it. Right. And then it has an effect on your career, your money your love life, everything, instead of just, you know, that guy that is from our town did that and this select group of people are going to know and everybody else is going to keep it quiet. It's, it's out there. You know, Perez Hilton will post something about it on his <laughs> website. Fanboys Anonymous <laughs> will post something on their website because we're <laughs> fucking scavengers. Um, but... Uh, Eddie, what do you think about this? Is this uh, something where the the mindset of somebody can play a bigger factor than anything else? Or what do you think? Man, I, I could say so many things about uh, the factors at play here. But uh, primarily, um, I mean, uh, I want to just – I just want to take one step back. Uh, when Mike mentioned some of the Game of Thrones um, actors, like the one that played uh, Joffrey uh, – Again, we're talking about these, you know, these, you know, 
kid actors who were, you know, in the spotlight, but then they dealt with the pressure and all, and they made right choices. It's a, I mean, you know, England is one culture. The United States is another. In the United States, everybody is born thinking, wow, I was born in America. Hence, if I want, I can become an astronaut or a movie star or president or whatever. So there's this giant goal ahead of you, right, immediately. And if, you, if you're not going to strive to go for that goal, you're not going to be anything. And you're going to be treated like, a, like some below average idiot. And here's a Robin, Robin Williams factor real quick. Um, I, read an, I read an article on Cracked.com a few days after Robin Williams died. And essentially, it was a really, it was a serious article. It's a very serious article about the editor uh, telling his tale about, you know, like how he as the class clown found uh, acceptance in being funny. Because if mm. before he was funny, nobody took him seriously. Everybody made fun of him. And you know what? That happened to me too. You know, I became a, you know, I, I became a, some obnoxious class clown because you know I was just some boring kid who liked video games, and I had Aww. nothing going for me. And then, no, I mean, no big deal. I mean, <laughs> you know, jokes on them. I mean, I'm, I mean, I had a. I mean, looking back, looking back at the people that made fun of me and shit. I mean. I'm glad that they did because they brought out the you know the the, be, the best in me. You know, I was I was forced to learn. You know, I, I I began playing guitar. You know, I started writing songs. You know, after the, um, you know, because I mean the class clown thing is cool, but after a while I just kind of I don't know I just, I kind of matured out of it. it. It didn't feel right anymore. But then you take uh, Chris Farley, you know, John Belushi, uh, Robin Williams, and so many other comedians. These guys, you know, they're constantly uh, they need that uh, um, that validation. Like, oh my God, I'm, a, I'm you know, Chris Farley was like, I'm a yeah. fat fuck who's good for nothing, but they love it when when I make him laugh. You know, they love me when I make him laugh. So that that's all he had going for him. But honestly, the guy died alone with you know, like with a hooker leaving him in in, in a hotel room for crying out loud. So uh, you know, so here's the thing though. In the U.S., there's that big pressure where you have to uh, succeed, all right? And there's also the, the fact that it's very easy to get any type of drug anywhere at any moment. Like, oh, like you go, to, you, go to, you go to a shrink, oh, I'm depressed. Oh, it's cool. Here's some Ritalin. Like, I swear, I have this friend from France. Um, it was a few months after he had just – this is when I was in Florida in college – it had been a few months after he was there, um, and he just he started feeling down or something. I don't know. I told him it's probably like the, I don't know the winter or something I'm in Florida. Or something. There's there's no snow, there's no snow in Florida. I told him it probably. Would be <laughs> so uh, uh, he was like, oh, so I went, I went, you know, he went to the doctor. I was like, so man, like, what's going on? Am I lacking vitamins or something? He's like, no, it's okay. You can just take this. He forgot what the name was, but he said when he got home, he was like, okay, let me research. He just typed it on Google. He's like, he said, like, man, it was like some super strong antidepressant that I had to take for like six months. And, uh, like, you know, like, and if I didn't improve in six months, I would have to take for another year or something. He was like, forget it, man. I'm just, I'll stay depressed. <laughs> because, yeah. like, drugs, it's as, as cliche as it is, drugs are bad. I mean, honestly, if you have, if you have proper diet, which is not easy, um, if you have proper diet and um, and you're not surrounded by people pushing weed or, or coke or heroin onto you, then um, you know 
there's there's no real reason for you to be you know become addicted. I mean, it's it's the fa- the fact that we people become depressed is primarily because it's a, a poor brain chemistry. Sometimes it's genetic, like Caroline said. It's true. Sometimes it happens for no particular reason other than oh man, it's my family or schizophrenia. But that's a little something else. That that's something else altogether. Well, plus uh, there's also the factors that you mentioned uh, the pressure to succeed. That's coupled with jealousy. If you do succeed. All the other people in Hollywood, oh, yeah. they don't want you to succeed. They want to be able to oh, yeah. reach off your success. Absolutely. Dude, constantly. one of the worst things you can face in your life is envy. Right. If somebody and, is envious of you, that that, that is – I mean it, they're sucking away – believe me, this is actually scientific. Like the human mind is very strong. Uh, there was a Japanese uh, scientist that actually proved – that um, your thoughts, like he had like two um, cups of rice, and every day somebody would hold a cup of rice and like it was like whenever they were angry or pissed off or something, and then whenever somebody was really happy, they would get the other cup of rice and just for a few seconds or a minute or something just hold on to it, and after a month you could see one rice rotted and the other one was fine. Huh. Kid you not, yeah. shit like this actually happens. So I mean, the mind is actually. It's much more powerful than we could possibly think. So I mean, to imagine like, wow, you're you know like you you're the butt of every joke in your class. Wow, so thirty people hate you, big deal. Like one million people hate you because you were Anakin Skywalker. Well, <laughs> the, with the pressure to succeed and the jealousy for success and all that, we also have a culture that loves it when people fail. That's true. Oh, fuck yeah, absolutely <laughs> loves it. I mean, we have tabloids and we have paparazzi. We could talk about paparazzi separately a little bit later, but uh, the tabloids and I'm even going to give credit to us for doing this. I mean, when there's an article on Fanboys Anonymous that is a celebrity tagged article, more often than not, it's this celebrity was arrested, this celebrity uh, died, this celebrity is in some kind of a scandal more than it is. This celebrity did some kind of an awesome charity thing or whatever because that's the stuff that people that listen to the media are interested in. The news itself is horrible and you can't watch a news program anymore that actually just says the news from around the area of things like they decided that they were going to fix that pothole on Main Street. No, instead it's – What's uh, the big health scare that's going on right now? That, Are you thinking you know, of Bowling for Columbine real quick? <laughs> bowling for Columbine and stuff like that. Like, there We've got this idea where we need to be negative about everything for some reason. And you've got celebrities like Robin Williams who are supposed to be the antidote to that. And that's pressure itself. Well, let me, tell you, let me tell you something about Robin Williams. Being me... uh, told that you are not only the person responsible for making everybody forget about those kind of things – which is a huge responsibility. But if you don't pull off being the funniest guy or whatever, you know, the, the crazy ones TV show, it didn't do that. Well, it gets canceled. That's a shot to your ego because your show got canceled. It means you don't get as much money. It means you're not as funny as you used to be. And then those bad habits can rear their ugly heads back because nobody's going to give you any, Sympathy. They're just gonna laugh at the fact that your show didn't do that well. Now, Peyton, well, you you didn't say anything about um, the idea of the pressure to succeed and stuff uh, before before you get that point out, Eddie. I want to see if um, 
Peyton and Caroline have anything to say about that because I think that we're going to jump onto a different thing here. But Peyton, what do you think about the pressure to succeed thing? Well, it's absolutely true. I mean, that's something that happens in any type of job you're going into. I mean, right now at the job I'm at, it's just a simple freaking retail job at a mall, but there's pressure to have to succeed. And I'm competing with all these other people to get a management position and it, it can get cutthroat. You know, I, I'm not someone who personally would go into those means, especially over something so frivolous like just a mall job, but people do. Some people really will step on each other and tell bold-faced lies about each other to get themselves into just the littlest job positions. Now imagine what you would do to when you start involving multi-million dollar movie parts or things like that. People will do dirty, damn dirty things to each other and even to themselves if it means that they'll get to succeed in that environment. And the sad thing is a lot of these people don't realize that there's other options. You know, there's other parts that they can get or maybe they could just stop acting. Maybe there's something else they can go into. And to bring this to something else that me and Tony are really versed on wrestling, a lot of these wrestlers will just get stuck in this wrestling rut and they don't realize that there's other careers they can go to. Like a lot of wrestlers later on in life will find themselves going into real estate or other things. And these people won't do that. They'll, they'll just keep wrestling until they're freaking 90 like Ric Flair. And now he's <laughs> dealing with all the crap he's got in his life, like five freaking divorces that he's paying alimony on and all this other crap. Or hell, let's not even get started on Hulk Hogan and his whole family's problems. <laughs> why, why can't people just like – I don't know. Everyone's responsible for their own destiny. And, and w- when you have those pressures on you and if it's too much, then leave it. You know, It's just not for you. And people need to realize that sooner rather than keep pushing themselves into the situation where they're going to get themselves and all the people around them hurt. What do you think about the pressure to succeed, Caroline? Is it something that uh, when when you fail, you fail that much more and it becomes that much more taxing on you? And I mean, it is. I mean, we, you don't even need to uh, right. figure that out. But like, what are your thoughts on this kind of uh, an idea? Well, um... I just wanted to say that, well, I'm from Brazil, actually, and I get everything you guys are saying about how things are here in the United States, how everybody is very, uh, it really just wants to succeed, really just has high dreams from themselves. Um, Yeah, that is very true. I came from a family where my parents are very, just very intelligent, very into the academic life. And to me, it always felt like failing was not an option. And if I failed at one exam, it meant that I just failed at life. And I feel like, and I know it's crazy, but I feel like a lot in our society, in the States, uh, in other countries, uh, Asian countries too, there is this idea in the human mind that everything's very black and white you have this dream you go for it if you fail it just means that that's it you know you fail at the one thing that you really wanted to accomplish so what now you need to keep trying like the oh god hulk hogan and all the <laughs> other wrestlers you guys were mentioning um or people that do other sports or artists anybody um i just think that we're just very as human beings, we're just still very caught up in that mentality that got us through our the beginnings of humans and the planet. It's about survival. Like you can't really fail because fail might mean that 
th- that's your only choice. Like, you need to succeed. If you fail, that's it. You might not get another chance. You might not get a chance at all. And it's it's sad, and it sucks. And I feel like we're still passing on to you this new generation coming up is that you have to push yourself really hard. And if you can make it, well, maybe the doctor will prescribe you some drugs for it. Um, or maybe you just need to find those drugs yourself or anything you can get to get to the next level. And I mean, it's a crazy idea. And obviously, not everybody's going to be able to keep up with that. I mean, I don't think most people will be able to keep up with that. And the people that do try to keep up with that and seem to be being really successful at it will break at some point. I mean, there's only so much we can take. So, yeah, I just, it sucks. That's all I have to say. (laughs) Going back to what you were about to say before, Eddie, um, on the pressures to succeed and Robin Williams and, uh, you know, the Chris Farley story and everything like that. What was, uh, build on top of that, what was some some of the things that you were going to say about that? Well, uh, first of all, uh, what I'm going to say is a, is a little bombastic, but it's true. Um, I expected Robert Williams to die any day. Um, I mean, he was part of that gen- the whole uh, cocaine generation of comedians that uh, that was coming out in the late 70s. And, uh, you know, uh, it, it, it's, it, it was almost a given. I don't think there was a single – if there was anybody in showbiz – I mean, for real. I mean, they don't. People don't say this enough, but back in the uh, the early '80s, if you were in showbiz, you did cocaine. There was no way around it. I mean, there there are very few people that did not do it. I mean, I'm talking like A-list, right? I'm sure you know the up and coming actor was kind of like struggling. Oh, you know, maybe couldn't pull it off. But you know, it was very. It was a very strange time for them. I mean, um, there's this new substance in town. Everybody's doing it. And, oh man, it's gonna help my career if I hang out with these guys doing coke. And you know, and now it's just become part of the culture. Um, although we have all sorts of you know, um, uh, you know, like actresses or actors that are like, oh, I'm 100% vegan and healthy, and I don't do you know that kind of stuff <laughs> supposedly. But um, that's gonna kill them next. Yeah. <laughs> the, the, the point is, uh, Tony, you you did mention a society of fear, right? I mean, you you know, like uh, in Bowling for Columbine, you know, Michael Moore looks up the t- at the TV, you know, in America, and it's like guns, fight, death, evil, AIDS, fire, you know, and then in Canada, it's like, oh no, you know, the government has issued a new tax for you know pothole construction, whatever. <laughs> what the hell? We try that new donut at Tim Hortons, eh? Yeah, there's there's such fear, and here's the thing. Here's the thing, man. It's all about control. You're, I mean, there's mass control of the population because first of all, people fear stuff. If you're everything, even even again in Bowling for Columbine, uh, such, such a delicate subject was touched upon, and Marilyn Manson gave like a 30 second interview, you know, and she said it all, and they're like, oh, you're afraid you're gonna get bad breath, and the girl's not gonna wanna fuck you because you have pimples and whatever. And um, and basically, if you keep if you keep, Mike, well, you're right in there. Control. Okay. Yeah, you went a little transformery on us for a second yeah. there. Uh, so then this whole fear thing, and then add that to the fact that a lot of doctors make commission on pills that they prescribe. Right. And then add that, you know, like so you're not only looking at substances like alcohol and cocaine, but you know, like we, I mean, when you have a friend, that's like, oh, it's okay, I have this doctor, he can help you out, and then it's like, okay, he just gave me Prozac. Yeah, big fat help, huh? When all well, you, when all you need is some, what was the the substance? 
Damn it, it's even in pasta, man. What was that that substance that I read that is into some broccolis and stuff? What? Um, niacin? Niacin, I think that's it. Yeah, it's like basically like, like uh, there was uh, there was this case of a woman who was like she could not like leave the bed because she was so depressed. She couldn't she couldn't get up. And then uh, one day the, the, this one doctor, you know, like just try niacin, you know, these niacin heavy pills, like super like a thousand percent of a dosage. And uh, you know she take them regularly, and she became normal. Like she. Like ne- like nothing ever happened. She was normal, you know, whistling, happy, whatever, with no side effects. You know, no like, oh my god, I gotta shoot shoot up to school or something. You know, nothing like that. And then you know, she she went off the pills and you know back to square one. She couldn't get out of bed. So sometimes it's it's just that. You know, like you're lacking sunshine or not enough vitamin C or whatever. Um, you know, and then you know the U.S. is notorious for not having very nutritious food. No offense. And you know, so delicious. many of these factors. No offense. It, it is, I no, I agree, man. I mean, I feel like crisp, shit. I, well, I agree. Krispy Kremes is really great, but it'll kill you, mm. like in the in in the head. <laughs> uh, no offense to Krispy Kreme, but uh, here's the thing, though. Um, here, here's the thing. So, for our sponsors, Krispy Kreme. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just a call out to you know if any fast food chain was to sponsor Fanboys Anonymous. Yeah, so I will no. gladly eat your donuts and then uh, go nuts and crazy about it. Go nuts for donuts. <laughs> oh, <laughs> so Eddie, I'm actually really glad you brought up Big Pharma because I mean they still haven't 100 percent figured out what happened with Robin Williams, but I believe it was Rob Schneider. Which you know, yeah, let's take the opinion of Rob Schneider, but. The thing that he pointed out was that Robin Williams was heavily on some medication for Parkinson's, and apparently this medication had a heavy side effect of creating depression and even suicide. So big pharma is certainly a responsibility for changing the ways people's bodies works. I mean, that that's happened to anybody. I'm very hesitant about putting any type of man-slash-machine-made pill into my body. Um, I'll go ahead and say it forthright. I smoke a lot of pot. Pot doesn't bother me. Pot comes from Mother Nature. It comes from the ground. But yeah. you hand me any kind of pill, I'm instantly really skeptical of it. And I will not take it unless I'm 100% sure it's safe and I need it. And that that's, that's, that's a problem that goes all around. Like, that's not just for celebrities. That's for every single one of us. We're putting all this terrible, terrible stuff into our bodies so that doctors and some scientists can make a few bucks. Well, that's not only it. I mean, uh, I mean, you're totally right, and I agree. I mean, you you complimented what what I was about to say, and uh, it's just it 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 it's, it becomes really hard to tr- who are you gonna trust? I mean, uh, mm. when you look at Hollywood, Hollywood's a, a microcosm. You know, it's a metaphor for the rest of the world. I mean, who are you gonna trust in Hollywood? Who can you trust if uh, people learn that? Oh no, this is definitely the best thing for you, and you go on some crazy weird Scientology trip. You know, <laughs> you know, which is Tom basically Hanks. just a social club for people who want to b- throw money at the organizers. That's Tom that's Hanks all it is. Person I would you trust. Know. Tom uh, Hanks who? never does anything. Okay, fine. Tom Hanks is cool. <laughs> Everybody else, I mean, you know, fucking Mel Gibson tells me to do something or whatever. No, <laughs> no, I'm not gonna do that. Or yeah, or Tom Cruise going like, hey, for a nominal fee, you can, you too can join the Church of Scientology. <laughs> right, but if I'm, you know. I'm at a party hanging out with a bunch of people and Tom Hanks is like, oh, if you've got a headache here, it's Advil. I'd be like, I think that it's Advil that he's giving me. 
No way, dude. Let me tell you something. No, 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 no. Let me tell you, let me tell you something about hanging out with celebrities. Um, if you're fan, okay, I have another instructor at my university who who like worked live shows. Like he got like with like ten feet or five feet with uh, close to Bob Dylan. You know, five he feet? was close to five feet within within the Bob Dylan. Yeah. I mean, cause he, I mean, cause he, he worked with like so many famous musicians. I don't know who else he worked with. Uh, Justin Timberlake and whatever. I don't know, like a lot of people. Anyways, he said, if you're a fan of someone, don't meet them. Because they're going to say something stupid. They're going to do something stupid and that whole, it's all going to fall away. Because celebrities are people and they're assholes just like you and me. Right? So if you like someone, if you think Tom Hanks is great, sit next to him for like five minutes and try to talk to him. No, even, if he starts a con- even if he starts a conversation with you, it'll be probably, it'll be like... Man, okay. Some well, people go like Dave Grohl. I'm pretty sure Dave Grohl would be cool all the time, right? But uh, I don't know. On on average, like celebrities have a really really weird vibe going on because they're 24 hours going like, oh man, I gotta keep this image. And not because they want to be the best all the time, but because you know it's it's a, it's a defensive mechanism. And here's the thing: going back to that whole like you know, ah, oh, getting being validated for being funny. You know, Robin Williams was phenomenally i mean he was great i not my style of comedy like i didn't go like i i wouldn't just like burst out laughing with his jokes but yeah he was he was great and uh and he had such an upbeat too like um you know like to me the symbol of a, a proper comedian is uh robin williams because he was in that video with um bobby mcferrin you know don't worry be happy you know that one right i mean that i mean he i mean he was he was around that kind of humor that kind of funny you know he i don't i don't think he ever really um did like like uh he never did like toilet humor he was a yeah he, 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 yeah guy. exactly he didn't do shit humor. he didn't he go did for cheap laughs humor. yeah exactly he went for genuine, uh, you know, like um, he he went for I don't know how else to put it. He went for positive laughing, right? And I think that weighs so much on someone because he's the kind of person who wants to. See, he he sees the world for what it could be. As an artist, I feel the same. I you know we see the world for what it could be, for the beauty that it could have, and for the you know for for like for for the the comedy that it actually is without having to take it too seriously. But then you know. When the show's over, what happens? Well, everything actually is crap. Well, no wonder, you know, no wonder that he's gonna go off and do some coke. Because it, you know, you don't, you don't want to stop. You can't get laughing. that kind of experience. You don't want to stop actually laughing. looking at the world around you. I mean, you put a lot of pressure on the person who has to be the happy person all the time. And another thing, and this is tying into something I said we we talk about a little bit later, was um, not only do you have the pressure where you have to be that kind of person all the time but you're also constantly in the sights of others that are watching you the paparazzi follows people around everywhere you can't get your family to not be involved you can't step outside your house without having a mob of people that are taking your picture doing the most mundane things because if they see that you're eating cheesecake well then there's going to be people talking about what are you trying to gain weight now or something? Or why are you eating cheesecake instead of this kind of cake? Or this is 
the place that you shop or these are the shoes that you wear or whatever. Uh, the paparazzi is something that has to weigh down on these people and make them just so depressed because everybody needs their downtime. And when you're a celebrity, you don't get downtime. You have to play up your character 24-7 for all the cameras that are around when you're not even filming anything. And that's something that's really crazy. What do you think about that, Caroline? Is the paparazzi a huge, huge factor in here that really should be dealt with? Um, yeah, I mean, I can't even imagine what it would feel like for you to not even be able to, I don't know, go tra- take out your trash or um, play with your kid on the playground or anything like that and have people snapping pictures of you. I mean, I know that I would get really paranoid. Um, it's just... But then again, like, it's hard because I do have to say, I do buy those gossip magazines and I do look at the pictures of the paparazzi take. Um, I feel that it's my fault too, you know? It's not just the paparazzi, but also the public really wanted to see those pictures and paying money to see all that. Um, it's just, it's almost like sometimes celebrities are not even human, they're just there as objects that just are meant to entertain. And just going back to the whole thing of wanting to see people fail, yeah. I mean, if we see a celebrity like Britney, like when she gained a lot of weight and then she shaved her head, I mean, I guarantee that sold way more magazines than when we see her getting back to her former self and taking care of her kids the way she should have. Um, So I think it's a mixture of paparazzi and the public as well employing those paparazzi to take those pictures and just making celebrities' lives more challenging and with no real um, downtime and time for themselves. What do you think about this, Peyton? I think Carolyn is absolutely 100% correct. As much as we could say the paparazzi themselves are guilty, it's the human people themselves are the most responsible for this because we're the ones who are going out there and buying those tabloids. We're watching those channels. We're watching TMZ. Uh, And you know what? Credits to TMZ, actually. They capitalized off of initially making themselves just a regular tabloid show and going off of celebrity. They've expanded themselves into being a serious news show now. Like, they're one of the most credible news sources out there of anything on TV. So kudos to them for at least expanding themselves, even though they still yeah. heavily involve themselves in celebrity news and all that and gossip. But they, they've at least taken that opportunity to expand themselves further outward and maybe eventually they can get away from it. But as long as people are making ratings with that stuff, as long as that's what people are showing interest in, that's the way it's going to be. Wasn't this like the plot for Anchorman 2? Like originally, like <laughs> then Will Ferrell's character want to keep like reporting regular old school news, but the times were changing and they had to start showing like crap. I don't know. I turned off Anchorman uh, 1. I don't know. <laughs> what? Yeah. <laughs> I, not High my five. type of humor. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, I got about five minutes into him just being like, I'm Will Ferrell. Duh, duh, no, no, no. Don't, don't, say, don't say that, man. Don't say that. Will Ferrell might grow depressed or something. <laughs> <laughs> you never know who's listening, man. We I'm love trapped him. in a glass case of emotion. If oh, Will Ferrell is you've never seen Anchorman. If he's listening to this, then as much as I do not care for Anchorman, Stranger Than Fiction is fucking awesome. So you get a lot of credit for that. 
I like I like the uh, Talladega Nights. I didn't see that either. Oh <laughs> uh, man, the whole Ricky Bobby scene with the uh, the guy uh, Sasha Baron Cohen. Oh my God, that scene's classic, man. But uh, you know the the pressures of the paparazzi and the the people that buy into that kind of stuff, uh, like you were saying, Peyton, the TMZ, and then Fanboys Anonymous. Even you know I can't deny it, and all of the other gossip things out there, and uh, I'm sure that culture just breeds insanity. And it's crazy to think that you've got these people that are really, really talented and probably really nice people and they're overlooked for no reason other than that they don't have some kind of a hook. And then they're struggling to be in the acting business or the music business or whatever. It doesn't really matter. They're all the same. And then you've got somebody like a Paris Hilton who makes millions and millions of dollars or a Kim Kardashian, you know, has this empire built around them because they're a fuck up that people like seeing fuck up. And it's such a shame because not to say that this directly affected Robin Williams, because of course we don't know, but somebody like Robin Williams, he really put the effort you could tell into a lot of the different things that he worked on. And I watched one or two episodes of The Crazy Ones, and I didn't think that it was that funny. But that could have just been the writers of the show or the directors or whatever not translating well. He probably put so much more effort into that and really wanted that to succeed because of the fact that he hadn't been on TV in a long time. And it hurt that much more when it didn't to see these stupid reality shows (laughs) that are on their 10th season of Celebrity Housewives in Orange County or something like that. And that's got to weigh on you. It weighs on me even to know how much effort and work that I put into my wrestling website and fanboys and all my different projects. And then to see that I'm not at the level that I should be yet. Yet I can see these people on YouTube uh, that do unboxing videos or just because they're attractive and they want to show off their chest. This girl gets, you know, 3 million subscribers in two months. And I've been on there for years and I've got a thousand. Tony, what if we spent the last week watching a lot? What did we watch? I don't know. Fish playing video games. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) I, I am currently right now. I just actually reopened it. So it's funny you bring this up. I am watching not one, but two fish fight against each other on street fighter two. By the way, who's winning? Uh, it's pretty evenly matched right now, but I, I think Robert the Bruce might <laughs> pull this Bruce? one out. Ooh. Yeah, I think he might pull this one out. Oh, yeah, he's on the move. He's got this. <laughs> <laughs> Which, that's crazy, though. Isn't it crazy? Because we can sit there and we, we listen to this and watch this after we had recorded one of our podcasts, which we put a lot of effort into these podcasts. We have to edit them. We have to record them. We have to plan ahead of time. We have to actually, you know, set up promotional stuff for this. And yet at the end of recording that Monday Night Raw post-show or the Smack Talk one, whatever one it was uh, the other day that we were doing at that time, we decide that we're going to go check out Fish Play video games on Twitch. And at the time that we're doing that, it's like 3 in the morning and there's, what, 6,000 people watching it? And we're like, God damn it, the last episode that we uploaded on YouTube might, might have 200 hits. And that's over the course of like yeah. a week. 
yet there's 6,000 people that are like, let me go watch this fish play Street Fighter. It's crazy, <laughs> and that has to weigh on you so much when you're such a talented person, and you've got these other pressures that we had talked about, and everything's fake, and you've got these yes-men, but they're also, they want to see you fail, and when you do fail, everybody blows it out of proportion that much more, and they can even just make something up about you, and you get the negative stigma. It's insane. So no wonder why depression hits a lot of these people, because depression can hit us all, and it's it's not a safety net. Some people like to complain, and I I haven't heard people say this necessarily about Robin Williams yet, but I've heard it about a lot of people recently. I heard it about Philip Seymour Hoffman. I heard it about um, almost anybody who dies of something that isn't a pure accident. Obviously, people aren't talking about it with, like, Paul Walker or whatever, but any of the drug addicts or whatever in Hollywood, a lot of people have the same complaint where they say, but you're rich and famous. Why would you ever want to kill yourself? Because of all these other things. I mean, the big thing that goes around when it comes to money and the whole root of all evil uh, adage is that that's not your best friend. You can have all the money in the world, but that's not going to be something that loves you back. And that is, I think, probably one of the saddest things about being a celebrity. As a matter of fact, that's going to attract a lot of negativity. Right. Because it's such a – I mean money is a tool. It's just something that allows you to – you know, it's it's the blood flow of, you know, our current society. You know, a big deal. It's not who you are. It's not part of you. It's just something that you can use, you know. It's, uh, but unfortunately, you know, there are a lot of low lives because the, there is such thing as good people and and bad people. Honestly, like, mm-hmm. uh, and not because I, I I've never met anybody who's genuinely like evil. That doesn't exist. That's like comic book stuff. That doesn't. I, I I've seen I ignorant. Don't know, man. I've seen no, dude. I've seen ignorant. I'm serious. I'm. I've seen ignorance. I've seen stupidity. I've seen all uh, sorts of things. But are, but genuine. Are you aware of ISIS? <laughs> I was just I'm pretty sure they're that. genuinely bad people. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. Even right, Al Qaeda hates those guys. All <laughs> right, all right, chill, chill. Let's not get into semantics here. But the point is, the point is, uh, you're going to draw a lot more negativity from people who are interested in materialism than you're going to attract, you know, people who actually want your well-being. Because it's such a, it's so hard to see through the materialism. I mean, I've met very few people in my life. That uh, I can't say I know you guys truly, so you're you're excluded. But for the most part, like very, I've met very few people who are who who, just, who know what life is actually about. You know, who who know that it's so much more important to uh, not step on other people. You know, Mike, like you're at a job. You know, it's some job. It's just some job. But like people will kill each other for it, mm-hmm. for a promotion. Mm-hmm. They they will lie. They will sabotage the other person. And like, we live in the world that's like that. So it's like, and I know a lot of people who have no problem doing, you know, stepping on other people. And then, very few actually will discuss this with me and say, God, the things are so wrong. You know, somewhere along the way, you know, we fail to dominate, you know, our instincts. And it's all about, you know, screw it. I want to succeed. Whatever, you know, whatever the whatever the cost. Um, and a lot of, you know, a lot of, sometimes it's a little bit of everything. It's a little bit of daddy issues. Like, oh man, I got to succeed, you know, so my dad can be proud of me finally. 
you know, but that's never going to happen. It's placebo. It's uh, it's way it's it's a it's a pipe dream. I mean, it's it's in if it's in your psychology, nothing is going to erase it. So that I mean, you have you have this whole thing with you know you have to up uh, the children. Yeah, need proper upbringing, and then if you throw them, of course, you throw them in Hollywood, or you throw them in front of the TV, or you know, give them an iPad when they're four. It's just you're just you just basically you're planting a really shitty seed for the rest of the world. But there was something I really wanted to touch on. Um, it's something to do with Robin Williams, believe it or not. Um, but I'll pass. It'll come to me. Well, is there any other topics that you guys want to throw out there? Caroline, is there uh, something we haven't touched on yet that you want to toss out for us to start discussing? Um, give me a minute to think. <laughs> All right, Peyton, anything else there um, other than a little update that Rob the Bruce did win? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, honestly, I'm impressed we got as much uh, discussion out of this as we did. Um, you know, this is a very timely topic, and yeah. it's, it's a very real problem. So, I mean, I'm happy we did. When you when you first nominated, I was like, oh, are we really going to get an interest in this? Or are people going to show up? Or are we going to talk about it? And I'm, I'm, I'm proud of us. I think we kept it classy for the most part. I think we did a really good job. I'm glad that um, we talked about these things. I have people in my family that do deal with mental illness and really bad ones. So it's always good to see that people are talking more about this and just not being afraid to discuss topics that might be really dark and just controversial. So cool. I'm happy. And we joke around a lot on this show. I mean, we threw some jokes out for this episode as well because we try to keep things... Oh, fun yeah, no, and totally. lighthearted and everything um you know normally our episodes are about silly topics you know what superpower would you want to have or you know, we're, we're going to eventually do an episode in the future i don't know when of who would your goal be if you could date anybody that's a fictional character like you know <laughs> little stupid ideas like that but when it comes down yeah, to it cool. i mean we have this website built around the idea that we are fans of this kind of um, these subject matters and it weighs on fans in different ways than it does the people that are involved. And we also joke that the fanboys anonymous name, um, it's obviously a play on alcoholics anonymous, the equivalent of that for geeks and everything like that. But the truth of the matter is substance abuse, drug addiction, all that stuff, the very, very serious matters. Um, we can joke about stuff as much as we can try to keep things, uh, have a little bit of levity behind them, but they are really serious, and depression is about as damaging as it can get. There's always a chance that you can be your own worst enemy, and there's always a chance that you can be involved in the wrong people, in the wrong situations, and uh, if you know somebody who is struggling with that, there are resources out there that you can consult to try to help them. None of us have all the answers. Um, so we we don't want to approach this as the idea of, like, we're trained psychologists and that's <laughs> how we can do that. We're clearly not. I mean, uh, I've got that whole psychologist to friends of mine kind of a thing going on, but I've got no physical training behind it or whatever. But even to quote Robin Williams himself... Something that he had said, which when this was going around that he had killed himself, 
a couple days ago, uh, I saw one image that I hadn't seen before that actually made me kind of sit and think about it. Uh, a lot of people were posting the picture of the genie saying you're free now, genie, and whatever. Um, people posting things from one hour photo or from uh, Jumanji, you know, the little jokes about stuff. Of course, people sometimes taking it to bad extremes and sometimes just flat out being upset about it because they are going to miss Robin Williams. But one thing actually stood out to me, and that was a quote that he had said before of suicide is a permanent solution to a temporary problem. And it's a real shame that even Robin Williams had gotten to a point where he cleaned his act up and he was able to tell people that that's not something that you should consider an option yet it reared its ugly head again and it ended up being too much um it's a shame especially because of how talented he was and how beloved he was by so many people it's not to downplay the people that aren't to say that they're not worth as much or anything like that that's clearly not what i'm going for but for somebody who does have such a strong fan base and such talent to not be able to get past whatever that was that he had going on, that makes it even more tragic. If your life is total garbage, you can sort of justify it a little bit. You know, you grew up with abusive parents, you're poor, you have no friends, no family, no uh, nobody to love, nobody to love you back. It makes sense. And then when you've got the potential to have such a huge impact on everybody and for them to have an impact on you too. I mean, you get a a humble enough celebrity, they'll admit that they can be in a really bad situation and some person can come up to them and just be like, Oh, I loved you in this movie and it can turn their whole day around. It's really a shame that Robin Williams must've been so far gone and unable to uh, take himself out of the metaphorical quicksand that all the benefits from the money, all the benefits from the fame, all the benefits from knowing that he can make people laugh and has that talent just wasn't good enough. And if you are a person who suffers from any form of abuse or addiction or depression or whatever like that, you don't have that kind of a safety net, but you nonetheless should seek help for it. As a matter of fact, uh, sometimes it's better not to have too much around your life. Simplicity is at times the best way to deal with it. Because if you have too much going on, it's really hard to really see. It's really because sometimes depression is actually something good. Sometimes it's something that you, you're forced to introspect and find out more about yourself. And then it'll actually help you know, to help you to grow. And like I was depressed for like 10 years or something, you know, like back in high school. And then I was like, well, what am I going to do with my life? You know, then I, I got into music, but, you know, only like uh, six or seven years ago, it kind of ended. You know, reg- even though my dad died in that period, I kind of got out of depression in that period. It, it was weird, but it just kind of happened. I became introspective. I had to grow. Um, and, be, and, be, and after all, all that I had learned um, on my own time, you know, uh, when I was alone and stuff, uh, I was able to apply it. On my when I was back to you know a full social life, so if although I was never like you know locked in my room, uh, but as far as addiction is concerned, if you really want to understand addiction, 
you should read Anthony Kiedis' uh, autobiography, Scar Tissue, because he touches on a subject that's very interesting. Like once you're an addict, you're always an addict. You're an addict for the rest of your life. But you learn – just accept it. Like it's okay to want to crave a substance. It's okay to crave a beer. It's okay to crave – you know, uh, heroin or, or coke or whatever it is. It's okay to crave that. Let it be, and that's the that's the way he put it. And and you know, and, and be religious about something. Like help other. You know, um, a lot of addicts. As a matter of fact, I think every addict in the, in the world ever in history would only listen to other addicts. It's it's that kind of thing. Like, oh, you don't know what I'm going through. You know. Uh, but if somebody has been addicted and you know they have credibility, they have street cred when it comes to other addicts. So they, you know, they get to they get to speak. I can only say from what I read, and you know, because I, I mean, I'm a, I'm a rock fan, I'm a metal fan. I hear about drug abuse all the time in every biography I read. I even have friends who've dealt with drugs and stuff, and it really sucks because it's like the thing about they don't really say about cocaine is like, oh yeah, he became addicted. But once you sniff coke, apparently your brain will always kind of itch, going like, "Hey, you gotta scratch this. Hey, hey, you gotta scratch this." That's how cocaine works, and the heroin is another ordeal. Heroin is even worse, because apparently there are people who can. There's a 50/50 chance if you become addicted to heroin, you're you are so unlikely to get out of it. That if you look at, uh, again, same band, Chili Peppers, uh, if you look at John Frusciante, like it's literally a miracle he got out of it. Like the guy was nearly dead. Like he lost his teeth due to an infection and all that. And uh, he's he's totally cool now. But um, there's some heavy shit. And, uh, and what's even worse is that the pharmaceutical companies, you know, they, they, they deliberately try to get people to go to shrinks and get these pills that are just as addictive to anybody who can afford it. So you can So it's 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 a very it's a very strange world we're living in right now and uh, the fact that Robin Williams passed really sucks uh, but it's not a surprise. Um, it just it should have happened to someone else, you know. It should have happened to I don't know. Talentless, you know, person who shall remain unnamed, but that's not how it worked. So, um, wrapping up uh, what we've got to say here, um, unless anybody else has anything else that they want to kind of toss out there. Um, Payton, is there anything that you can think of? You know, I'm going to think of something as soon as we go off. At, at this moment, <laughs> though, my mind's pretty blank. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Caroline, anything else? No, I just want to, again, like, Thank you guys for having this discussion. I think it's really, really cool. It's always good to see everybody's different takes on a subject like this. And it's awesome that, you know, yes, I love the fact that we put some jokes in there to make light of the situation and the other podcasts are going to be lighter. But I also think it's really important for us every now and then to have these out about something that it's impactful and you know, hopefully it might help somebody out. Maybe somebody would be listening to this and not be so ashamed of asking for help or, you know, seeking out the resources. There are a dozen websites, billion websites on uh, depression and anxiety. And 
they not only will give you information on how to find uh, somebody to talk to, their groups, um, but also they have really, really awesome little exercises that somebody can do by themselves at home where it's just mainly to calm your mind and make you feel more grounded. Um, yeah, that's it. All right, then one last thing that we were going to do here is we're going to go around the table one more time and uh, get out some promotion, any kind of things that you guys want to plug. Anything. Yes! Robert <laughs> oh, Bruce just won another one. Twelve two, baby. Uh. Oh my god! What the hell? I'm gonna bet on that fish. I want to see this. <laughs> Next podcast, Robert the Bruce. We, we might have to do. We might have to do like a championship ceremonial thing of Robert the Bruce. A whole lot of these. Yeah. Well, so we'll send him a medal. So, is there anything that you want to plug to uh, what's going on out there for people to pay attention to? Eddie, you're up first. Uh, yes, Tony. As a matter of fact, I'm going to be working on a lot of music for anything uh, Fanboys Anonymous related. Very much because so. you asked me. Yeah, because <laughs> you kind of asked for it, and then I was the only one who really volunteered. <laughs> and now I'm the only one who has any actual talent, musically speaking. So you know, because <laughs> I feel it. Because I feel like it. And oh, by the way, yeah. Speaking of a, uh, you know, like being frustrated at watching people, uh, talentless people, you know. Flourish in the media. How do you think I feel with the music nowadays? <laughs> Apparently, really depressed. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. Next. <laughs> uh, hey might, man, uh, you don't know what I know. You might, you might have a different um, idea about dubstep. <laughs> That's not even the worst. That's not even the worst, man. <laughs> Peyton, anything you want to throw out there for promotional purposes? Oh, there's always tons of stuff. The easiest thing to do is to follow my official Twitter. That's at M-R-P-A-D-E-N. That's Mr. Payton. Also pay attention to all the things we got going on at megapowersradio.com. Often a lot of those shows are also archived on fanboysanonymous.com same place you're here in this very show so stay tuned for all that especially my game of thrones show sand and snow the game of thrones podcast we're on facebook and twitter follow us on there for all the funnest game of thrones memes to help tide you over until season five starts Woo! season five go into freaking dorn can't wait <laughs> maybe there'll be a couple more crazy deaths that can be tossed into uh, that tournament I'm pretty sure there's going to be plenty of freaking deaths. I think that's <laughs> one of the things you could be safe expecting when you're watching Game of Thrones. Man, I, I'm just shit scared George R.R. R. Martin might die, man. <laughs> yeah, well, you know what he says to people who say that? Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I'm scared, man. He's like, he's old. He's not really healthy, you know, like, he's overweight. Well, like, in, in, interesting note, he is actually taking season five of Game of Thrones off. He traditionally writes an episode and is usually heavily involved throughout the production. He's doing none of that for, for season five so he can finish the next book. So, oh, I'm so excited sweat. about the next season, then. <laughs> <laughs> Caroline, anything you want to pro uh, promote, plug, or get out there for people to pay attention to? Uh, sure. You guys can check my website. Uh, it's CZO Effects, and I do a lot of sculpting, especially now for Halloween. So just wait for some cool dragons and deformed baby fetuses to pop up in there. <laughs> Jesus the two uh, most <laughs> frequent requests. Uh, 
strangely, yes. Well, there there are other ones, but I don't think I really want to talk about those. I feel like I'm gonna scare whoever said Jesus back in the background. So yeah, who said that? Yeah, who said that? Oh, really? Are we talking human baby fetuses, or like just generally like living mammal like, fetuses? Like, you know. <laughs> So this isn't well, going to scare anybody off, right? <laughs> Some of them are, like, hybrid-looking. If that helps. It's like X-Files? Yeah. Yes. Cool. All, right. <laughs> all right. Big thanks to everybody on the panel for this evening and for all of you out there for listening. Stay tuned for the next episode of the group meeting, which will be episode 10, if I'm remembering correctly. I don't know exactly what our topic is going to be, but if you have any suggestions, go ahead and leave those in the comments below. Uh, Also, stay tuned to everything else that's coming your way from fanboysanonymous.com, the Review Point podcast, the Fan Tracks, we've got uh, the Sand and Snow podcast was mentioned earlier, the Dace Man Show, Nerd Court. God, there's so many of them that we lose track of this kind of stuff, but they're all there on fanboysanonymous.com. Go ahead and check that out. Uh, maybe we'll be able to get Robert the Bruce for a special interview. Woo! Uh, <laughs> I know the Dace Man's got a bunch of interviews coming up, so stay tuned for all those things. And if you're interested in joining the team and becoming a member of fanboysanonymous.com, you can always send in your application using the contact form of the website for various different purposes. We want to have as many people as possible join this collective and uh, stand up and share with us. So, on behalf of not just myself, but everyone on the panel for this evening, and all the fanboys and fangirls that could not be here tonight, I'm Tony Mango, and no matter what, I am a fanboy. This meeting is adjourned. See you next time, everybody.